Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the only podcast that turned off last night's Columbus game. I mean, they were up 5 nothing. It was a laugher. No sense watching the third period. It's time to do a little stargazing. Mark, how are you? Well, I didn't give up five goals and then come back and win in overtime. So how's that? First team in NHL history. 1917, this stupid league was founded. First team in NHL history to blow a five-goal lead in the third period and win the game. <laughs> but... Who who comes back? And not only that, what what was it? Two goals in the final two minutes or something yeah. like that? It was five three going into to, to the very end. At but if you're going to you do that, start... win the game, right? Send guys, I mean, send extra guys over the board at some point to just stop the bleeding. Do do some do literally anything. Throw a yeah, stick. I, I mean, as a golfer, this is this is the equivalent of of hitting a you know a sixty yard bunker shot to two inches and then missing the putt. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. And then winning the playoff. I guess we're taking <laughs> from we're we're approaching this from different teams. Yes, you're yes. you are correct. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, let's 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 put on our happy faces because if you're if you're a coach in the central and you have a mean face, you got fired in the last couple of weeks. So I mean, I, I need my job. Yeesh, and and it's the central. We'll we'll start there uh, because I think we we have seen. An interesting situation has developed um, atop. We're starting to see some separation. St. Louis, of course, on a miserable run, fired Craig Berube, not having the season they want. Arizona has been frisky, but they're they're fading a little bit in terms of a contender. The Minnesota Mild are just, you know, who 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 could really use an extra $14 million in cap space and Chicago is rebuilding. So that sort of left us with a three horse race at the top of the division right now. If you just look at the standings, it's, it's Colorado peg and then Dallas in third little bit deceiving. Um, Colorado's played two more games than Dallas with a three point cushion. Winnipeg has played one more game than Dallas with a one point cushion. So if you want to be a nerd and look at points percentage. Dallas is technically in second with uh, 64.8% of available points. Colorado is 65.5. So it's it's a mess. And the funny thing to me about this, Mark, is these are three very good teams. Um, you know, Hellebuck is doing doing his thing. Colorado's got McCarr and McKinnon and just, you know, they can be a wagon at times. The teams over the last 10, though, it, it's kind of turned into a turtle derby. Uh, Dallas is 4-4-2. Four, four Peg is six four and zero. Colorado is five three and two. So they're they're three good teams that don't seem to want to separate much. But what what do you make of the Central right now? Well, you know, Colorado I think is still the best team, and I call them the Mountain Stars just because I, I go and check all my X star stats, and Colorado takes a while because they're you know you got Val, you got Cogs. I have to see every once in a while. Tough deal get called up. You got Kivy up there. It's a it's it's like a whole reunion of Dallas stars and, and then Winnipeg you got the ex-coach so it's it's really stars all around and, and it's no wonder they're all tied together I mean just I just have to circle back I'm sorry what would you give to have a Rick bonus team go through the five goal third period blown lead win it in overtime spectrum of emotions like how much would you want to just watch him be behind the bench for that the the only improvement would be that you would have Radic Fox's score a shootout goal to win. Oh, <laughs> uh, after no, he'd 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 start overtime, win the faceoff, and just go end to end call game. <laughs> <laughs> 
do do the butt slide around the bench and yeah, just just go high shelf. Yeah, I love it. I love it's, it. But you know, it's it's an interesting. So looking at the teams, right? It's they're all you know. We talked about Winnipeg. There there is a remarkable similarity, right? So Colorado is eighteen nine and two. Winnipeg is seventeen nine and two. Dallas is sixteen eight and three. Right. So very similar win loss totals. Uh, Colorado has one hundred and five goals for. Winnipeg has ninety one. Dallas is ninety five. Uh, Colorado is eighty eight goals against. Winnipeg has seventy four. Dallas is eighty four plus seventeen plus seventeen plus eleven. Right. There, these teams are are just samey as all get out, and and it's it's I don't know. Well, what yeah. what we have what we have is something that we haven't seen in a long time, which is the Central is not really the interesting conference in the West. Pacific no, that's you, you got you got Vegas over there. You got the Kings who are still kind of flying under the radar, and now. Since since they lost their coach, the Edmonton Oilers are putting together a nice little stretch. We we have real Connor McDavid playing. I mean, it's it's funny how regression happens. But yeah, no, and to your point, right? Vegas, Vancouver, and Los Angeles would all be leading the central division were they in it right now. Sorry, take it back. Los Angeles would not, but I, I was looking at points percentage. They wouldn't, but they've got three games in hand and are two points behind Colorado. So yeah, it's, it's, that one's kind of turned into a wagon. It's, it's, um, yeah, I this mean, it's may entirely be, possible. You, you, you may see five teams coming out of the Pacific and, and when was the last time that happened? Right. Come and on. the other bit is like, this may not be the year, thanks to their stumbles out of the gate. This may not be the year that you want to win the central division because that, that could mean a matchup against the likes of how, how much of a kick in the teeth would it be to, to scrap and claw and fight all season, win the central and, and have a first round matchup with Edmonton who has had to just blister down the stretch to make the playoffs. You know, the only upside is that you get to watch McDavid and Miro. So, yeah, but it's not it's not one that you really look forward to as a first round matchup. No, I guess the only positive is you just hope you're hope everybody's healthy and I guess better chances of that early. So, yeah, it's it's um, the West is is turning out to be interesting. And you know, the perpetually will they get healthy Colorado Avalanche? You know, Winnipeg seems like one of those classic Rick bonus teams losing um, losing Connor for an extended period of time, it's going to hurt their offense. But if, if there's any coach that seems to know how to lean on an elite goaltender and, and he got results, right? Winnipeg has him. And then you've got the stars and, and they had their first two game, you know, they had their first multiple losses in a row stretch this past week, you know, got back to their winning ways last time out. What is your kind of general temperature check of the team right now? I mean, I think everything that you look at has to focus on the defense and the goal. Because offenses, I, I hate to say just kind of clicking, but three lines are contributing offensively. Mm-hmm. The fourth line is is kind of doing what you expect them to do. You're, you're rolling all four lines. It's not like there's anybody out there getting you know single-digit minutes on the ice every time they go out there. We're, we're playing Pete DeBoer hockey. We're getting the puck in the net. It's just that, you know, as, as a Dallas Stars fan, you're, you're kind of used to at this point being able to hold a lead and or shut somebody down. And between the way the defense is giving up odd man rushes and cycle plays, and then Jake Ottinger being a bit more leaky than we came to expect at the early part of the season, it, it, it's tough. You, you hold, you, you can't really hold a lead and say you can't get comfortable. Yeah. And, and on that, on that note, we're, we're going to play a little, little quiz game. So if you look at, and, and going by money puck, just, just sourcing myself, 
Where does Jake Ottinger rank in terms of goals saved above what is expected? I mean, I he's right around break even, I think. So not not great, especially if you're talking about somebody who's a true one A. Yeah. No, he's he, yeah. He, you're exactly. Right. He's forty third. He's forty fifth in the league between Freddie Anderson and and Devin Levi. Mackenzie Blackwood's in the blender with him. Darcy Kemper, Cal Peterson, James Reimer. These are not. Let's just say that's not his typical peer group. And I mean, honestly, I, he's he, he's behind Wedgwood, isn't he? He's actually now ahead of Wedgwood. He was okay. behind Wedgwood at the start of December. He's been a little bit better lately. Wedgwood is at negative one point six. Otter is at negative point one. Right. So we talked, you know, early this. You know, a lot of the a lot of the path to success for for Dallas when we were prognosticating the season was well, they'll have the offense and they'll have the goaltending. And as of today, right now, they they really don't have the goaltending. They they got it early. Uh, Jake's cooled off big time late. I think Wedgwood has had some moments, right? And he certainly battled his way to some of the results the team needed, but he's not been lights out in the pipe either. They're, they're both sitting at, what, 9.04 for save percentage for Ottinger, 9.05 for Wedgwood, 2.85 goals against for Jake, 3.25 for, for Wedgwood, um, you know, one thing I will say positive for Wedgwood is dude is five and one. Yeah. So like, you know, he, he, the team at least is, is outscoring, you know, his, his troubles and travails. So yeah, it's, it's not been great. Well, it, it's, it's not, it's been average. And, and I mean, I kind of view the, the nine zero zero line as the Mendoza line for goaltenders. If you're under there, then you have to scratch your head a little bit and uh, and so 904, 905, not not ideal. You want to see that in in the 915 to 920 range, maybe for an elite goaltender, but not not deadly. And and Ottinger's been off, and he he has traditionally, I think, during the regular season, had stretches where he wasn't making the saves that you expect him to make. And and to be very clear, right, this is unless you're talking peak Vasilevsky, right? This is every goaltender. These, you know, yeah. in, in the current NHL, right? So this is, it's not something, yeah, and, and you're right. For his career, he's a 915 safe percentage kid, 248 goals against average. So he is, it's there. Um, yeah, he's he's going through a rough one right now. And how much of that, we, we talked about this a little bit last week, right? In your opinion, how much of that do you see as something that's maybe, you know, in the past he has been, a little bit aggressive with his movement and can give up some angles from time to time. How much of this is Jake driven versus how much of this is we've talked about the quality of chances against, right. And, and the quality of what he's been facing, how much of that is the team in front of him or, or can you parse the two apart? Well, I don't think you can parse them apart. It's, it's defense. And I don't know if you saw this, but there, there was a little shot from the team practice yesterday on Twitter. And it, it apparently Pete DeBoer was not happy with, the way the Stars defense has been protecting the crease, stick positions, various things like that. And so the team is working on that. And that's exactly what you're going to find is if Ottinger's being real aggressive and getting outside the crease, uh, trying to shut down shots, if you don't have any kind of rebound control or control of opponent's sticks, they're going to get those rebounds and they're, they're going to find a wide open cage and they're going to put it right in. And, and we've seen a bit of that happening. Yeah, I think you're, and, and I think it's also this is one of those where coaches will tell you what they're thinking about, right? And when you when you look at DeBoer's comments, and and you know when you look at ice time and who's getting starts and all of that, one of the things that stands out to me is we have not seen if this was a Jake Ottinger thing, 
then I think we would see a more even distribution or at least a change in some of the starts. I mean, you know, maybe you'd give Jake a couple of easier games or maybe you'd give Wedgwood an extra spot start here or there. But the fact that, you know, the fact that, that DeBoer has stayed with his, it seems to be, you know, three games for, for Jake, one game for Wedge, right? Seems like he's stuck with that, which to your point tells me that he's much more looking at this as a team-wide thing versus, oh no, my goalie's broken, what do I do? Well, and and you go back to when DeBoer first got hired, you know, one of the big screams was that DeBoer is going to come in, come in and ruin Ottinger and not really ruin his game from a technical point of view, but just mind games like happened in Vegas. And, uh, and so opposed to that, what he's doing is kind of sticking to script and Ottinger's getting his starts and Wedge was getting, getting the, the leftovers, which is what you would have expected. Now, let me ask you, do you think that's the right decision for Pete DeBoer to make? Let's let's do some backseat driving here, Mark. Well, I, I mean, I don't see what the options are. You know, if if he's going to go up the chain and talk to Jim Neal, he's not going to talk about replace, replacing Jake Ottinger. He's going to talk about bringing in somebody on the defense. And so I don't know that DeBoer has really any choice other than to keep playing Ottinger the way that the good Lord intended him to be played, which is as a, as a one, a Scott Wedgwood is not going to all of a sudden miraculously turn into, into a one, a or a one B He's your backup goaltender. He's doing a great job of it, but that's his role. And so Ottinger is in his role. You do what you need to, to get him back going. If that's a little coaching, if it's a little bit of working with the defense, not to give up chances that Ottinger has been giving up goals on, that's what you do. Yeah. And you're right. That's that's the right street. You've, you've got a guy with a track record in Jake Ottinger that says he's he's going to be fine. And you've got a guy with a track record that says he is a backup goaltender. And you're not seeing and you're not seeing gaffes. Right. You're not seeing, um, you know, beach ball wristers from the blue line finding their way in. Right. It's 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 coverage stuff. It's in tight. It's it's quick plays. They're just giving up a lot of them. So, yeah, I think you're right. It's it's a it's not a non-issue because it needs to get fixed and and you know this team isn't going to it's it that you're not going to go far whether the stars or any other team right but you're not going to go far with a you know negative or even goals saved above average right but Andre's been on heaters before he'll be on heaters again I, I just don't think that that right now it's it's more something you put in the it's interesting column but I don't think you act on it quite yet the defense is a whole different a whole different beast and you know topic topic du jour topic of the of the month it feels like season even you know Lundqvist had his first benching of the season got back in the lineup benched again it's a mess back there right yeah and, and there's been a lot that's come out here the last week and it's almost like every everything that you read on Nils Lundqvist is that the team's given up on him and whether that's true or not, I don't know. Um, certainly, they have found some things that he needs to work on, and those things are things that he's going to work on in practice as opposed to working it out on the ice. So that's potentially a problem. You know, if if the team has actually given up on him, I think there are some interesting things that you can do out there. You know, I, I don't know if I mentioned this last, last time, but uh, Edmonton's having a similar issue with Philip Broberg. 
Uh, he was recently sent down to Bakersfield as a you know, number one, you know, number eight overall pick from a couple drafts ago. Left hand D, um, bigger guy can skate, uh, not quite as offensively oriented as Lundqvist. But it's Edmonton, it's Ken Holland, it's a good good buddy of Jim Neal. So if if they want to go just do a little swap and say, uh, I can't get what I need out of this guy, you can't get what you need out of that guy, let's uh, flop him over and see if uh, we can, a change of scenery will help. Um, yeah. That's certainly something that you can put on the table. But right now, Lundqvist costs the team a first-round draft choice, and if you're not going to play him, you're not going to get anything out of him. And He's good enough so that if you try and send him down to to the Texas Stars to work on anything, he's going to get claimed on waivers. So yep. it, it's lose lose. Yeah, just it's it's I'm having flashbacks to to the the you know the Gurionov and and you know Valerian Nichushkin and and even heaven help us ta, you know Yulia Honka as well. I I just I'm an optimist by nature. I just feel like I don't know. I I rankle sometimes. The the adage is always, well, the NHL isn't a developmental league. And and I actually think that's kind of BS because of the cap, frankly. And and I think that that when you're a team like the Dallas Stars that is capped out, and when you have a glaring position of need, which is, you know, the defense, it frustrates me that I, I just feel like more of an effort needs to be made here. And, and and I know that there's a whole culture around you don't want to give unearned ice time and you can't afford mistakes and, and yada, yada, yada. But for a team with Dallas's ambitions and Dallas's limitations, I just, I just, it frustrates me. But again, I'm not in practice. You know, I'm not seeing things behind the bench. I, I have a different perspective. But just looking at what this roster is, it frustrates. I, I do potentially think the team should be doing more, even if it's a little bit of coddling, even if it's kind of force feeding, even if it's accepting some mistakes. Right? It's not like this team is a playoff bubble team. I, I just, I just keep coming back to that. They have half a million dollars in cap space and absolutely nobody behind them in the pipeline. Right? And so, sure, if you can, if you can pull a a swap for somebody else's misfit toy. Great. But at the same time, like this is the roster that you have. These are the options that you have available. And I just don't think it's leaning on Joel Hanley. I I don't, I don't believe that that's the correct course for this team. Well, I'll back up a little bit and say, you, you're talking about a problem of December that I think you don't need to solve until March. And, and we saw this last year with, with Domi and Dodonov and and what Nil was able to do, bringing in some decent talent at yep. the trade deadline and, and do that because you can rack up enough cap space in order to bring in a higher level contract because you've gone through a majority of the season at that point. And so my general theory is that, you know, I, I don't know that you're really talking about the stars being in danger of, of not making the playoffs. No. And so at that point, what you're really doing is saying, here's what I need to do in order to get myself to the playoffs. And if I need to improve come March, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the market, find myself uh, some guy who's going to be a pending UFA who has some skills that I need, and I'm going to bring him in at a cost that I can get under the cap. And that's my playoff roster. And Neil worked it to perfection last year with with the Donov and, and Domi, and I think he he liked that, and he's going to do the same thing this year with the defense. 
Yeah, and I just you know you know it just it, again it just feels like it feels feels like spinning wheels and wasting time, right? So you're going to well, depreciate. it is because yeah, you have you have Lundqvist sitting on the bench, you have Joel Hanley who who really shouldn't be playing until the playoffs when he plays all the time. Yeah, um, playoff so Hanley. yeah, playoff Hanley. Yeah, that's what he does. And anybody who scores their first goal in their career in the in the Stanley Cup Finals is a good guy. That's right. It just feels yeah. It, it, this is one of those and. and and again, I'm a I'm a big Nil Stan guy, right? I've got my my Jim Nil replica mustache on the mantle. You know, I want to get it signed someday. So this this is not to criticize the entire administration, but as much as we've seen success with the forward core and with the goaltending, I I think this season we're we're seeing you know there may have been and it may have just been the reality of what was available, right? But you know, looking at, would you rather, and, and again, this is just wishing and, and hoping, but, you know, a million bucks for Craig Smith, 850 for Sam Steele, you know, 2.2 for Evgeny Dodonov. If one of those guys was adept defenseman, things might be a little bit easier to weather. Yeah, I, I think th- the problem was that you saw seven defenders who were on NHL contracts and you really had to go out of your way to make a deal to get rid of one of them. And and I think the the early on thought was, well, there's a spot there because Hanley is uh, that was a UFA signing. We got him for two more years. So that was a potential slot. But I, I don't know that you can hate the Hanley signing. He's, he's kind of the ideal seventh defender. The yeah. The thing people hate is that you're playing your ideal seventh defender as your sixth defender. Yeah, well, and it's also you've you've left yourself in this weird situation where you've got you know yeah Hanley is the option, right? You, yeah. You're the the ways that you fix this defense are a trade that you probably don't want to make and have to wait on, and and the risks of, you know, yes, last season Domi and um, Dodonov worked out great at the deadline, but that's not a given that you're you know what I mean. So so yeah, it's, by, it's a lightning in the bottle thing. Yeah, and so what if that trade doesn't work? You know, there, how yeah. many how many free agent signings? Uh, you know, tell tell me about the Stanley Cup Jerome McGinley one with the Pittsburgh Penguins, right? It's it's you know doesn't always doesn't always work. So so you've left yourself in a situation where you have to roll the die in March, or you have to make a trade you don't want to make right now, or you're just shuffling chairs around, right? And it just it feels it none of this was a surprise, I guess, is the frustration. Yeah, and, and I mean you have positive surprise, and here where we're leaning a little heavy negative i'll just say thomas harley yep. um which, oh, yeah, which yeah. should turn it all around that's that's good stuff so one of the two bets that we needed to hit at the beginning of the year actually hit and yep. that was harley he's been he's been wonderful uh second best defender on the team right now lundquist well no that didn't really hit and apparently the team has seen enough so that they have some major things that need to happen there before he's going to see a a slot on the ice. Uh, And and so that one didn't hit. And so now what do you do? Yeah. And, and, and the only, the only thing I've been harping on is that it's not a problem you need to solve right now. And and so show a little patience. It isn't, you're right. And I, and, and I guess my, my frustration isn't even around whether or not you need to solve it right now. Cause you could, because you are correct, right? If you are the stars and if you have decided it's not him because of the way that, and, and the reason the cap just, just in case, right? The reason the cap stuff matters is sa- salaries are prorated over the course of the season. So the guy that Dallas can sign today 
with their 950K in cap space, that changes dramatically as you get to the end of the season, right? By not signing him now, you only have to pay a portion of a portion of that contract. So you can get an exponentially more expensive player if you're able to wait till March to make a move. So the 450, the 457 they've got today wouldn't get you much in December, but in March that could get you a pretty good player based on how the cap structure works. And of course there's no salary cap in the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. So the reason we're harping on the deadline, you don't have to do it now is why again, it just feels, I don't know. I, I like I said, I, I just, if you know, it's not him, start figuring it out. Right. Because it's yeah, not like well, the rest of that. Exactly. It's, it's not like well, it's, it's the one thing, you know, you talked about Harley's playing well, you know, Miro is, is playing, you know, he's, he's still Miro, but we can, you know, psychoanalyze as to why, but he, he really, it seems like more than in previous seasons, the weight of what's expected of Miro in terms of carrying a pair from his offside without a lot of help, right? It seems like that has been more of a problem than it has been traditionally. So you, you've you hit your lottery ticket and you've got your number two defender in Thomas Harley, and that seems to be working out. Your number one is still your number one, but he's wobbling a little bit. You're not seeing what you necessarily would love to see out of, you know, I, th- I forget who, somebody had the line that Suter is probably playing better than you you would like to admit that he's playing, but, you know, worse than the team probably needs him to play. He's, he's, so you just, it's well, just a suitor suitor, you know, 15 minute a game suitor, I think is a better player than 20 minute a game suitor. And, and we started the year more with a 15, 16 minute a game suitor. Mm-hmm. And as the trust issues have come up, suitors ice time has been eking back up to the 20 range. And, and, you know, as, as, as an older person, uh, it, it, it takes its toll. And, and I think we're seeing that. And it also, and this is where the playoffs come into, it takes its toll in terms of wear and tear. In my opinion, this is also the sort of thing that gets you killed in the playoffs because the more that he, the the more, and not, this isn't just a Ryan Suter thing, right? The more that, a, the more that a player has to play, the more opportunity your opponent has to exploit whatever weaknesses might exist, right? So if he's, if he's playing 20 plus minutes a night, there are a lot more opportunities. Again, thinking about that, that first round matchup against Edmonton, right? There are a lot more opportunities for a clever coach to double shift somebody and all of a sudden get McDavid out there at the same time as Ryan Suter. Right. And and you can, you can engineer those situations a lot more when the team has, when Dallas has fewer options because then it's moves and counter moves, right? If I know that you have to put a slow player on the ice, all, you know, a, a third of the game, then I can have many more opportunities to catch you. Whereas if you only have to put them out there for, you know, 15 minutes or even in times of great need, dial it back even further. It's a lot easier for you to hide that guy from me and to, to, you know, keep me guessing on matchups than when he has to play all the time. Yeah. And, and, and to tell you the truth, I think Jim Nils feeling a little vulnerable here just because he, he made some efforts to have some reinforcements for the defense this year. And, and, you know, Bixel going, going to Rugel, which, uh, which, seems to now in hindsight be an absolute miserable choice because Rugel is, as soon as he gets out there, they lose their, their kind of, uh, you know, North American offensive coach and GM. So who knows what he's going to be playing with now, now that, that the Swedish team's going through their changes. And then really the, the guy, the guy who was probably your first call up from uh, Texas 
is Gavin Bayreuther, and he's been out since game one. So all of a sudden you have a bear cupboard behind. And so the seven that you have in Dallas is kind of the seven that you roll with. Yeah. So, uh, you know, who, who knows what happens? You know, we cross your fingers, knock on wood. This team has over the last several years been extremely healthy. Yeah. Um, but there's a little vulnerability there as well, especially on the on the defensive end. You know, on the offensive end, some people might want a little motion on the in the forward groups just so we can get a little look at, at Bork and Stankoven. Anyway, negative ne- negativity abounds. What, what do we have to say that's positive as we wrap this? Well, up? I was I was going to say I actually had one more um, one more negative thing if I wanted. Oh, great. OK, cool. Uh, how many points does Wyatt Johnston have in his last 10 games? Uh, well, I don't think it's zero, so I'm going to go one. He has It's four, technically, oh. but two of those came before Thanksgiving. So he's, he's he has two points. He has two points since Thanksgiving, a pair of assists. Uh, the last time he scored a goal, he had two against Calgary on November 24th. That's the last time he scored. And before that, it was November 12th. So he's he's been through it. A little bit. He did have a resounding plunk off the pipe, didn't he? I was gonna ask because, like, I test wise, you know, his line has has been. You know, we we talked a little bit last week, I believe, about you know, Dadnoff has has been more of a play drag so far this season. Um, you know, DeBoer went to the went to the blender. If you look at the totals, you know, Jamie Ben is still fifth on the team in scoring. Um, so that line is still somewhat productive. Though Ben went through a. a a stretch of his own, but any concerns long-term any, is this, is this a glaring warning sign about Wyatt Johnston? I don't think it's a warning sign about Johnston. I think it's a kind of a warning sign about the third line, which is, you know, if you talk about the top three lines that you're just going to roll through and all of them can be offensively dangerous. I think the one line that is going to be a little shot share negative and a little expected goal negative, at least the way it looks right now is, is that Johnston Ben Dodonov line. And so they're the ones that that kind of need to up their game to get on get on the same page as as the top two lines. But yeah. you know, some of some of it is maybe maybe they're defending a little more, uh, figuring out Johnston's game. What do you have? You have a little uptick from Dodonov lately, so uh, so maybe the line is adjusting to how they're being played against. I think I think the line still works. Yeah, you have Dodonov, who's a who's a great F one. And, and then both both Johnston and and Ben are guys who can think their way around, put together passes and shoot. Yeah, and I think the other bit is with with the stars and with the board system. I think the other thing that you have to keep in mind, and, and this is a weird statement, I get it, but when you're thinking about how a line is playing, I think you have to look at the other two lines, right? It's all about context. And so part of evaluating that specific line is how well that specific line is playing. And, and we've had some we've had some slumps. They've they've struggled a little bit defensively. Dadnov got benched. You know, he, he had to watch a couple games or watch a game recently. So there's some stuff that tells you that it's not going exactly as the team would like it to go. But the first line is scoring again. You know, we've we've talked a lot about the Sagan, Deshane, Marchment trio and how well they're playing. So to some degree, at least indirectly, you have to look at the third line and say, well, if, if nothing else, they're playing well enough to keep some of the heat off of the other two units. And maybe that's just maybe we'll see over the course of the season, the various of the three lines, one it's going to go cold while the other two kind of heat up for a little bit. And maybe that's just maybe the pattern we're going to see with this team. Well, and that's really the luxury that you have here. You know, as I go through and put together previews for all the games, it's 
so rare to find this team that that you can say they they can roll lines like the stars can and yeah so so the johnson line might be quote unquote the the semi weak link but other teams just have gaping holes in that yes. in that same spot or or they you know they're rolling a third line out like like the old um, you know cogliano como foxa line it's their shutdown line and you don't expect anything out of them on the other end of the ice or the the marchment you know marchment sagan foxa Right. Or Marchment Sagan insert concert, you know, contest winner from the stands. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Who 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 brought their skates to the ring tonight? Say Segs needs a right winger. What are the the, the forward version of the e-bug? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, same way. He's he's still getting looks. But I think, you know, it's 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 something that will continue to keep an eye on. But he's he's struggled lately and the team could could sure use him to start putting the puck in the back of the net again. Yeah. And, you know, even beyond that, Sam Steele's had a little bit of a renaissance here the last yeah. couple of games. Um, so you're even getting some some production that we weren't getting out of uh, out of the fourth line before. Just my little my little complaint here, please. Take a look at the stars fourth line. The numbers are always ridiculously low. Then then you roll into into Tampa and you look over at the stat sheet and Luke Glendening has four goals already this year. How <laughs> Including in the world is he this tucked possible? one on Dallas? Yeah. What is it about our fourth line that where where offense goes to die? It's not like our fourth liners are worse offensive players because we send our fourth liners elsewhere and they score. You could get really bitter and, and point to the fact that Valerian Nachushkin is having himself a season for the Colorado Avalanche. <laughs> well, he's having himself a career. Who, who was it? Y- Yager, Yager, said, uh, Yager said he was going to be the best player in the NHL at some point, right? I mean, thanks to thanks to Pavelski and Robertson recently, uh, we finally we can finally say that Nachushkin would only be third on the Stars in scoring, not first. Yeah, yeah. And he just scored two the other night, I think. He'd be tied with Pavelski for the goal scoring lead and uh, one point behind Pavs and Robo for the overall point lead, which we we all knew that's how that would work out. Yeah, welp. Anyways, cheer cheer us up, Mark. Um, there's a game tonight, and then there's Yay. a game against St. Louis the, the next night, and uh, and we're going to St. Louis, so we can probably hear uh, Cairo booed by his own home fans because he apparently didn't say no comment at the appropriate time when asked about his previous head coach. Which, insert um, rant here about, listen, man, I, I either want to hear less about how much we need hockey players to have personalities or less like haranguing of hockey players when they have personality. Like that, so what, yeah. the kid took a flamethrower to his coach. God, who cares? Hey, it's St. Louis. If you're going to boo, boo Bennington, okay? <laughs> Guy sucks. <laughs> 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 my, my my two favorite teams in the NHL are the Dallas Stars and whoever is playing Jordan Bennington that night. Playing yeah. against him, to be very clear. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's why I still follow Joel Lesperance because he he has a unique ability to put Bennington <laughs> off his game. Yeah. I feel like anybody can put Bennington. He's he's the rec league goalie that doesn't know that it's a rec league, and he's every time I I just that guy drives me crazy. Yeah. Uh, how are they gonna do? The last time we predicted a game, they got their doors kicked in. Well, you know, it's Ottawa and St. Louis, so you take a look. Ottawa, Ottawa can't uh, can't play special teams, so so that uh, and fortunately we can uh, we can edit this after the game, so we're going to get this prediction right. But I'm gonna I, I'm gonna guess they win that game, 
and then they're going to go to St. Louis, and this team just wins back to back. So I, I think they they win Friday night and Saturday night. I would hope so. I mean, this is a team that, if we're being you know super cynical, has two regulation wins in the month of December. They they of course started the month with the eight to one love fest against the lightning and then Detroit six to three last week in between, they spent an entire week. They beat Washington, but it took a shootout and they, they lost, you know, they got, they lost laughers to the lightning and the Knights. They, ah, the Florida game, the less I say about that, the better just for my general mental health. Cause yeah, this, this is a team that, you know, and they've, they've got a little breather stretch and you hate to say it because I'm going to, you know, you're putting all sorts of jinx into the world, but they've got Ottawa, St. Louis, Friday, Saturday. Then they've got Seattle who are struggling on Monday. Then they've got Vancouver. And that's a tough, that's a tough bill these days followed by, and no, they're not in the top three, but you know, Nashville, a central division clash. And then they've got, well, this we, haven't, weird, we haven't seen Nashville yet this year. No. Right? And they've got this weird three day break before then they'll do, then they'll do, they'll close the month with Nashville, St. Louis, Chicago, Chicago. So if, if you're on the Dallas is a good team bandwagon, we, we should see an accumulation of points over the next, you know, two and a half weeks. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we always talk about regression to the mean, and it's always like good things are going to turn worse. And in this case, regression can also mean bad things can get better. And, yep. and I think we're on the upside there. And so, you know, next couple of weeks, let's get back into first place and have a good new year. I mean, it's a doable stretch, right? If, yeah, if you're being, absolutely. If you're being a cynic, they've got one good team for the rest of the month. And it's the NHL and every team is good and everything is close and nothing, nothing is easy, but they've got... They've got one tough matchup for the for the rest of the year, Mark. One one tough matchup. So you you have to hope that this team sees an opportunity to kind of make a statement and and remind people of their bona fides. And a, you know, back to backer here would be a, a good way to start doing that. What are we gonna get this team for Christmas? And we're gonna get them an easy stretch. Get them some wins, baby. I like it. All right. Anything else? That's all I got. I, I you know. Keep your eye on ice time and, and shooting percentages is sort of my mantra, but I think it, it'll be a good stretch. Mark, always a pleasure. KT for putting it together in the background. And listeners, make sure you listen, make sure you download, make sure you like. Give us the external input that tells us that we're good people and, and deserve good things. And keep enjoying your Dallas Stars hockey. <laughs>